The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Conservative leadership a hopeful Peter McKay in Edmonton over the past 24 hours. He's been at a couple of events and spoke with our Ryan Jesperson this morning. They covered a number of issues, including the blockades, uh, carbon tax, pride parades, the next election, and how he's different from Andrew Scheer. I'm pro-choice. I'm pro-equal marriage. I'll march in a parade. But I will focus on the priorities right now, which are a vibrant economy for everybody that's inclusive, that's effective, that gets things done. And one of the things that I think I I most admire and and hear often while I'm in Alberta is let's make government more efficient and like the private sector. Let's, in fact, bring about the type of efficiencies in public service that we have in the private sector out of necessity. And that sometimes means smaller government and having government get out of the way, not inject itself every everywhere on a project approval a major infrastructure project it should not take more than one calendar year to get it done uh, peter mckay on with ryan jesperson this morning so a recent survey suggests mckay remains at the head of the pack in the leadership race with the support of 25 percent of those polled overall and 38 percent of those who say they would vote conservative he's followed by aaron o'toole with four percent overall and nine percent among those who'd vote for the party in a general election but it's the next number that has a few people talking 63 percent of those surveyed said they don't know who they will vote for with 47 percent of conservative voters in that camp to take a closer look we're joined by elise mills senior associate crisis management communications at sussex strategy group she has uh, been involved with the conservative party for a very long time hi elise nice to have you back on the show thank you so much for asking me back all right so the poll so what the polls are showing right now is that mckay is in the lead but that undecided number shows and some people are saying that there might still be a race ahead of us do you think there will be i don't think there will be i think mr mckay has this locked up unless he has some sort of forced error um you know he's running around we find pictures of him in blackface or something like that because let's face it it's been a very weird two years politically Mm -hmm. so i i don't say never to anything but (laughs) unless because you know it gets me into trouble um but i really have the sense that he's got this and i what i like about Mr. McKay is that he's the type of conservative I am, which is with a real ideology. I know some there's social conservatives out there, some of them saying that, you know, uh, those remarks that they make uh, that divide us are true blue. And I take offense that they've taken the true blue. True blue is is conservatism rooted in fiscal ideology. We do not impose government uh, or our ideas on anyone else in their private life, right? So that is it. And so I think he's a real winner in that area. Uh, But when you're looking at the poll numbers, as you've just discussed, uh, 47% of us conservatives are still walking around going, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. And I think that's because there is a lack of aspiration, a lack of inspiring conversations and debate. And it really, there really hasn't been those moments in the campaign so far that those trigger moments where you're like, aha, okay, we're going to have a fiery debate. Let's get down to brass tacks. How are you going to do it? 
Um, how are you going to be different from what we've done in the last five or six years? How are you going to change Canada? How are you going to put the hope back in? Well, Elise, he's the only one so far uh, that's uh, paid the entire, what, $300,000 entry fee and submitted all 3,000 required signatures. The remaining uh, candidates have until the end of the month to, to do that. Otherwise, they drop off the list. Um, I wonder how many of them are going to drop off the list. And then when that happens, is that when we're going to maybe see some of those debate some of those conversations maybe it's mr mckay and uh you know aaron o'toole um going going at it and 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 that could um pique some interest at that point that's right i mean i i'm a i'm the sort of strategist that if i'm in if i'm working for someone like mr mckay who's obviously a very is way ahead of the pack uh he's he's even much further down the road than mr o'toole is mm. i would take the opportunity to poke there a little bit stir up the membership a little bit let's see where where we're going here he has a lot of goodwill. People really genuinely like him. I really like him as a person. I have a lot of respect for him, but I know he, I want to see that he is capable of taking us to the next level. I want to see what what ideas are floating around outside of those very, very short talking points he's operating on. I want to see a level of dexterity, agility. I want to see a level of braveness and mm-hmm. aspiration, as I said. And I think that's, again, why you're seeing so so many conservatives, including myself, walking around going, okay, is this it? Is this where we're going to be? And I do think this is going to come down to two podiums, one for Mr. O'Toole and one to, for Mr. McKay. I, I agree with you. I think the rest will drop off. Mm-hmm. And um, when you look at the, at, the, at the two of them, I mean, is, is Aaron O'Toole the man uh, to, lead, to lead the party? Um, I like Aaron O'Toole a lot, and so it, it pains me to say this. I don't think he is. I think he... I, I, I do think he has a tremendous leadership quality about him, but there are different types of leaders, uh, and not everybody is offers that leadership style to be a leader of a party or to be prime minister. Um, I do think he's a big picture guy. I think Mr. O'Toole understands maybe more so than Mr. McKay, at least at, at how Mr. O'Toole expresses himself. Mm. I think he understands the party, what the party needs. Mm. There needs to be an overall restructuring of the policies. The problem, the problem about this with this leadership campaign is that the, all the heavy lifting that needed to be done to get us to that leadership campaign that I'm describing would have been in Halifax in our last policy conference. But instead, the current leader's office and the current executive just kept rowing in the same boat. It was the 2011 strategy. Those are the same policies. They worked for us then. They worked for us sort of in 2015. Um, but you know what? Uh, you know, Justin Trudeau only really won because, you know, he's he's a Trudeau. And there was this concept that there he was he was sort of a fly by night. And we didn't really have to deviate or expand the brand too much. Um, and you've got to look at it. Our fundraising numbers are solid. I mean, we, we're heads and tails above any other party. We are an incredible machine. Our membership, our are driven and loyal and are always ready to give. But so that can put you in a bit of a coma uh, and you need a huge wake up call. In 2019, that campaign, I think, was the was the ringing of the bell. If you couldn't beat Justin Trudeau after then, Blackface yes. and SNC, then there was a real problem. Yeah. Do you think uh, Peter McKay can make the inroads in eastern Canada? Absolutely. I mean, in Eastern Canada, as Mr. McKay says in that interview, it's, it's not Ottawa, it's not Ontario, it's mm-hmm. the real East. Um, he's he's loved out there, yep. and I think that there's a lot of trust, and his 
he has a zero credibility gap. Um, he's, you know, his name is synonymous with Atlantic Canadian politics. Yeah. Uh, you know, his, I don't think people understand maybe, you know, who Mr. McKay's family is and his father and the contributions that his father has made to Canadian politics. Um, but, but, I, I'm not worried about Atlantic Canada. I'm more worried about Western Canada because I think he's got the buy-in in Ontario, uh, the Toronto crew. I think he's got the buy-in by Atlantic Canada. But I still think he's relatively unknown uh, for most Westerners. Hmm. Um, and I think that our populations are also very young. Yeah. And they may not have a connection to his his legacy as, as part of the Conservative Party leadership, as I would say. Your thoughts on uh, the fact that Andrew Scheer stayed on um, as leader when he said that he was going to, to step down. Has that had an impact on all of this? You know, there's arguments to be made for both sides as to why you, he would should stay or why he should go, and I'm I'm sitting on the fence on that one. I see the problems very very yeah. clearly, um, and I think it has a drag on the brand. Yeah. Um, but I also know that he's an incredible hard incredible hard worker, and that you know he does make a very positive uh, contribution by being there. But it's hard to say goodbye to what were some very serious problems and turn the page and you use this leadership um, campaign as an opportunity to start hit fresh hit start you start fresh and um, I think it makes it very difficult for some of the leadership candidates to be able to carve out a, why they're different and it's very hard to be out there battling a leadership campaign because what is required is a very sharp sword mm. it's hard to do that when the, probably one of the most likable guys in politics is still in that chair. <laughs> you know? Elise <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. um, Mills joining us this afternoon. We're talking about um, the conservative leadership race, uh, Peter McKay, these numbers that are out. Um, Mr. McKay and Mr. O'Toole both said that that um, if they, whenever they, whoever becomes leader, the, both of them would want to have an election in, uh, in October. They would like to force I an election in October. Uh, is that just a, a whole lot of talk right now, um, or mm, do you think that could be reality? They can't do it alone. Well, you can't. I mean, I was a little dumbfounded when I heard it, um, and I had some choice words directed at my car, my car stereo <laughs> when I first heard it. Um, it, it. The math isn't there. The block, the block for the first time in almost 20 years is back in the house. Uh -huh. This is like oxygen for them um, because it gives them a, an opportunity to fundraise, right? It gives them a power position. To have any media coverage for a political party like the Bloc or the NDP is liquid gold. Um, and both those parties are not in a position to run a campaign. They would have to mortgage oh, they have no money. You know, the kitchen sick. Yeah. yeah, and as it is, the NDP has had to sell assets to pay off yeah. their campaign debt. Um, so who is befriending us in, in this? Yeah. Um, the, you know, we're, we're, we need to be able to, the Green Party, the NDP, I think it would be very difficult. The block, it depends. Um, I don't know with the announcement that you, we've got investors leaving Quebec, uh, leaving the country, not just Quebec, but obviously have left the West as well. Um, maybe that would spur the block on a little bit yeah. um, because there'll be people looking there for accountability. But I just don't see the math. I do. What I do think this is, is wishful thinking in the most honest way. Mm -hmm. I want to shake that Prime Minister yeah. loose. Yeah. We believe he got elected on uh, without telling the truth. 
was to where he was going and what was happening in this country. Um, you know, you know, it was all good times. Everything was fine. And, you know, 30 days, in the last 30 days, the country is literally on its head. Um, everything that we've talked about in the West for the last five years, unemployment, concerns of recession, um, storm clouds economically, Ontario to Atlantic Canada sort of turned a blind eye. It didn't affect them, but as soon as the coronavirus came along, it lifted the veil and they started to feel the effects. It's not because of the coronavirus, because if you're, if you're using all your financial levers and you're, you're, and as Peter said, government's not impeding the private sector and getting out of the way, you won't have this domino effect that we're seeing today. And so it's, I'm glad to see the rest of the country has woken up. It's just been too bad that Western Canada has sort of been dragged along on this ride for five years. Where, so I hear why Mr. McKay wants to do it. I would love that to be a reality, yeah. but I think we're stuck here. And it's not a bad situation. But I was going to say, Elise, though, I, I would love, I, I'm really actually looking forward to seeing whomever takes over as Conservative leader take on uh, Justin Trudeau in in the house. I want to hear that. I want to see that. I want to hear ideas. I want to see what's on the table. I want to see, you know, this is what uh, the Liberals are saying, but this is what we're going to do. And I think that that is needed. Oh, I'm on your team on this one. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit nerdy, so I'll say that one of my favorite times in politics is watching Mr. Mulcair, former leader of the NDP, and Mr. Harper go toe-to-toe in the House. Oh, yeah. That was an incredible uh, experience, and that really brings me back to the problems that we're having with this government and with politics in general, which is why I agree with you, which is we have somehow decided that experience and expertise and education has no value, but selfies and social media and how you can manipulate an audience through digital imagery is value. And I think that Mr. McKay... Let's be real. That's not just a a, a liberal thing. (laughs) No, no, no. No, it's a, it's a... I always say that Trump and Trudeau are the flip side of the same coin because it, they're part of a machine, a marketing machine. Everything they say is 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 is, is sort of platitudes or rallying the base or divide and conquer. Then don't and you can, think that other parties, like you, the conservatives, should do a better job at that? Well, I absolutely agree. Yeah. I mean, I would love it's been extremely frustrating. So I kind of just want to say, let's get this done. Put Peter in there. <laughs> let's get him in the house. We're not calling an election. We've got the other part. It's never going to happen because it will be about financial situations. It won't be about what's right. Um, agree to just move forward and and put Mr. Trudeau in the corner. Call, you know, tell him what time of day it is and use that expertise and deliver something in question period that makes me want to turn on question period. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because, and go, whoa, did that just happen? Yeah, because, you know, we've got some incredible people there that have really t- flanked Mr. Mr. Shearer and have flanked Mr. Harper before, and they are still there. I think of Candace Bergen, Michelle Rempel. Yep. Um, you know, if you, you think about that amazing group of five or six that are there flanking someone like Peter McKay, I mean, it, it, I don't know how much longer Mr. Trudeau is going to be able to go without conceding defeat on several files in this country, right? Uh, Elise, you know what? I, I could continue having this conversation for another <laughs> half an hour, but I'm out of time. 
I'm like literally out of time and I'm going to get my hands slapped again if I if I don't get to break right now. So I want to thank you for this. Let's do it again soon, okay? I would love that. All Have right. a great day. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Elisa Mills joining us this afternoon. She's uh, been a longtime conservative uh, strategist, but with the party for a long time. Uh, she works out of the Sussex Strategy Group now in crisis management and communications.